great to see your faces in the house. And man, if you're watching online, thank you so much for joining us online as well. Hey, we're really fired up about Adventure Week uh, this week. It's going to be a wonderful day, packed building, lots of volunteers, lots of people involved. And the reason why we do this, let me just remind you, is because our calling is to lead every generation to know and to follow Jesus. And so that, that starts with the youngest generation and raising them up. And so thank you. If you're volunteering this week, thank you so much for investing your life in the next generation. You will never, never regret that. Uh, also, we are launching into a new summer series uh, through the book of Proverbs. So if you got your Bible, let's just open it up. All right, open up to the book of Proverbs chapter 1. And we're going to be diving into this book over the summer, and it's going to be just a great, great time of, of studying God's Word uh, together. Uh, Proverbs, the first nine chapters, is different than the rest of the book of Proverbs. Most of the book of Proverbs are these pithy little uh, short bits of wisdom, right, that seem to be somewhat scattered, even though there is structure to it. It appears to be somewhat scattered throughout the book. But in the first nine chapters, it, that is a section. And, and that section looks different than the rest of the book. And so we're going to be studying the first nine chapters of the book of Proverbs together this summer. Now, you may have some questions. So I want to kind of uh, establish some foundation before we jump into the series. So here's the first question. Who wrote the book of Proverbs? It's a great question, and we find the answer in Proverbs chapter 1, verse 1. Look at it. It says, the Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel. So the book of Proverbs was written primarily by Solomon. Solomon was the third king of Israel, probably the most uh, prosperous king uh, that Israel ever had. Under Solomon, Israel grew to its greatest expanse land-wise, uh, experienced the greatest amount of prosperity, and experienced the greatest amount of peace than any other king before or after him. Solomon really was uh, at the top of the chart as far as the effectiveness as a king. And a lot of that was due to the fact that Solomon had incredible, incredible wisdom. After Solomon built the temple, uh, to worship God, God came to him and basically said, Solomon, ask whatever you want and I'll give it to you. And that's kind of a blank check. How, how would you like to have that? You know, that would be a pretty good deal. And so Solomon asked God for wisdom. And because he asked for wisdom, God gave him supernatural wisdom over an abundance of wisdom, but he also gave him prosperity and wealth as well. And so Solomon was highly successful as a king, but he had great, great wisdom. In fact, that wisdom was recognized by all the nations around him. If you want to write just in the margin of your Bible right next to Proverbs 1.1, you can write 1 Kings chapter 4, verse 32. And this is what we read. Solomon spoke 3,000 Proverbs, and his songs numbered 1,005. Emissaries of all peoples sent by every king on earth who had heard of his wisdom came to listen to Solomon's wisdom. So Solomon had great wisdom. Everyone wanted to seek it. Everybody wanted to see it. Now, there are other authors in the book of Proverbs, and they are identified in the book, but Solomon is the primary author of the book. So that leads to the next question. Why did Solomon write the book of Proverbs? And we find that in chapter 1, verse 2. Look at it. 
for learning wisdom and discipline, for understanding insightful sayings, for receiving prudent instruction in righteousness, justice, and integrity. Now, I want you to circle the word wisdom there in verse 2. This is the theme of the book of Proverbs. The word wisdom appears over 41 times in the book, and it is the main theme. It is a thread that holds it all together. It's talking about godly wisdom. And what is godly wisdom? So let's stop for a minute and let's define what I mean by wisdom. We've got to define our terms. The word wisdom used right here and elsewhere in the book of Proverbs literally is translated skill. So it is used at times of a craftsman that creates something or a seamstress that creates a garment. It was someone who had a trade or a skill. However, the word took on a broader meaning to mean living skillfully. So if you are skillful at handling your finances or you're skillful in leadership or you're skillful in making decisions, then you are wise. So living a wise life is living really a, a skillful life. It's to judge things correctly and follow the best course of action. And by the way, this was a chief characteristic that you wanted to seek in any kind of leader or king is someone who was skillful in leadership. And we see this also in other places uh, in the Bible. So uh, wisdom is uh, very, very important, and Solomon will tell us throughout this book that wisdom comes from God. So really, wise living and godly living go hand in hand. And if you're really, truly skillful in, in wisdom, you're also going to live a godly life. So with that in mind, let me give you a definition of biblical wisdom which, by the way, is very different than, than the Greeks' view of wisdom, right? The Greeks' view of wisdom was human wisdom about the world around us and our place in it. Biblical wisdom is about skillful living. So let me give you a definition of maybe what, uh, what wisdom is. You can jot this down. We'll kind of use this as a definition working through the summer. Uh, wisdom is the ability to think, speak, and act in a skillful way that pleases God no matter the circumstance. Now think about that definition. Look at it. It's the ability to think, speak, and act. It's not just how much I think. Wisdom means I'm thinking wisely, I'm speaking wisely, I'm acting wisely, and I'm doing it in a skillful way that will bring God pleasure and it is regardless of my circumstances. You can drop a wise person in any circumstance and they will find the way to act wisely in it, okay? So that's a definition of wisdom. Wisdom is often confused with knowledge. In fact, you see them back to back many times in the book of Proverbs, knowledge and wisdom, knowledge and wisdom. But they are different. Knowledge uh, is, is what I know. Wisdom is what I do with what I know. Knowledge are facts, right? But wisdom is how I take those facts in and judge a right course of action. And those are two different things. We live in a day of knowledge. We live in the information age. We're living with a whole generation coming up that has never known the ability to tap into facts and knowledge instantly, right? Right? 
Uh, just with the click of a mouse or the scroll of your thumb on your iPhone, you can get just about any facts you want to get instantaneously. Or if you don't want to go to that trouble, just ask Siri, right? Or ask Alexa, and she will tell you what the facts are. We have lots of knowledge, lots of information. What we're lacking is what? Wisdom. We're lacking wisdom. Hey, parent, you want to raise your kids to walk in wisdom. That's something different. You want to have your grandchildren to walk in wisdom. You want, as, a, as an adult, to walk in wisdom. Well, how do I find that? Well, you get that through God's Word. And that's what we're going to be studying uh, here. Really, the wise life is the winning life. If you want to win in, in career, you want to win in family, you want to win in relationships, you want to win in good decisions, if you want, want to win in life, your life is really the, the sum of all your decisions. If you want to win in life, then you've got to make wise choices. The wise life is the winning life. And what we're going to find out is that when you turn your back on wisdom, there are really, really devastating consequences uh, for that. So all that now is just groundwork for what we're going to talk about today. So let's look at chapter 1, verse 20. This is where we're going to start today. We're going to talk about today, title of the message is Wisdom Calling. All right? Uh, Proverbs chapter 1, verse 20. This is God's Word. Wisdom calls out in the street. She makes her voice heard in the public squares. She cries out above the commotion. She speaks at the entrance of the city gates. Now stop right there for just a minute. Solomon is personifying wisdom as a woman. And one of the things that's unique about Proverbs 1 through 9 is that the context of that section is a young man growing up. This young man has been taught wisdom by his mom and dad since he was a young boy, but now he's growing up. And the picture is him walking into a city. And this city is adulthood. All right, so he's growing up, he's becoming a man, he's leaving his house, he's moving now into his adult life, and as he moves into this city, he's going to encounter all different kinds of people, which we'll see them as we go through the study. But he is not alone, because even though mom and dad is not with him, who is with him? Wisdom is there, right? And wisdom is calling out. And look from where she's calling. She's calling in the streets. She's calling in the public square. She's at the entrance of the city. This is where the business deals were made at the city gate. This is where judgments were handed down uh, in crimes and, and civic matters. Uh, these are the places of decision. This is the places where you live. It's a gritty part of life. And he said, wisdom is calling out to you. Wisdom is not just reserved for the scholar or reserved for the philosophy major in college. You know, that's, it's not reserved for that. Wisdom is very hands-on. It is very gritty. It is very day-to-day. -day. It's in the mundane things of life. Wisdom is calling out to you when you get to work on Monday and you got to deal with that problem that brewed up over the weekend. Wisdom is uh, calling out to you when you have that issue with your child at home. Wisdom is calling out to you when you're dealing with a friendship issue that's turning south. Wisdom is calling out when you got to deal with that parent-teacher conference. All right, wisdom is there in every one of these decisions of life. She's calling out. Wisdom is calling. Wisdom is calling. 
You say, well, Craig, if wisdom is calling so much, how come it's so hard to know what's the wise thing to do? I mean, if wisdom is so, so obviously accessible, how come I have a hard time knowing what is the wise thing to do? Well, you have to listen to wisdom. You have to tune your ear. In fact, look at what it says here, verse 21. She cries out above the commotion. Your version may say above the noise. You see, there's a lot of noise in our world. And there's a lot of noise in our mind and in our head. And we're bombarded with all kinds of voices. We're bombarded with voices in our culture, voices from our family, voices from our friends, voices from people at church. We're, we're constantly hearing all kinds of input. I read an article this week that said teenagers between the age of 13 and 18 will spend on average nine hours a day on digital technology. Nine hours a day. That means whatever the voice is on that phone has got more time, more of your kid's ear than all the teachers at school or you as a parent or certainly everybody at church. There's just so many voices. And those voices can drown out the voice of wisdom. So what do we do? We have to, we have to put on some noise-canceling headphones, right? We have to somehow uh, cancel out these voices and look for the voice of wisdom. In fact, it's interesting in chapter 1, it says, wisdom is calling, wisdom is calling. In chapter 2, he says, go chase after wisdom, pursue wisdom. So which is it? Yes, it is both. Wisdom is calling, but you've got to make an effort to seek her out, to seek out the wise thing to do. You've got to ask yourself the question, does the Bible have anything to say about this circumstance I'm dealing with? What does God want in this circumstance? What is the wise thing to do? And so wisdom is calling, but we've got to tune our ears. Now listen, there are some people that never tune their ears to wisdom, all right? There are just some people that just don't want it. There are some people that just are not going to listen to wisdom. In fact, right off the bat, we're introduced to three of those kinds of people in verse 22. So look at it with me. He says, how long, inexperienced ones, will you love ignorance? How long will you mockers enjoy mocking and you fools hate knowledge? Now, he mentions three kinds of people here that do not listen to wisdom. And chances are, you may be one of these or you may know one of these, all right? Uh, so let's look at them. Circle the word inexperienced. Uh, this is often translated gullible or simple-minded sometimes. This is the person that they just don't think. They just don't think. They don't think things through. They kind of go with the flow. It seemed like a good thing to do at the time. I was just hanging out with the guys. When you look at me, go, what were you thinking? They just give you a blank stare. All right? Because they don't know. They weren't thinking. They were going, okay, if I go with them and they go here, then this is probably going to happen. And I don't want that. They're, they're not thinking two or three steps down the line. And so they make some really bad decisions that can really hurt them. And so he's saying, you know, the simple person, the simple-minded person is not listening to wisdom. Another person that he mentions here is the mocker. Now circle the word mocker there. Now mocker is a different guy. The, the simple-minded person really has no malintent, right? No evil intent. They're just not thinking. The mocker is different. The mocker is a person that hates godly wisdom. 
They don't, they don't want godly wisdom. They reject godly wisdom. They despise godly wisdom. This is, a, this is a toxic person. This is a rebellious person. This is an arrogant person. Uh, we've seen this person before. In Psalm chapter 1, it says, Blessed is, uh, does, blessed is the one who does not walk in the step with the wicked or stand in the way the sinners take or sit in the company of mockers. It's interesting here, King David wrote Psalm chapter 1, and he warns against the mocker. His son Solomon in Proverbs chapter 1 also warns us against the mocker. Both dad and son are saying, man, you got to avoid this mocker. The one who just rebels against God's truth will have nothing to do with it. And he hurts a lot of people. In fact, in Proverbs 29, 8, it says, a mocker stirs up a city. We're seeing some of that played out right now. So you have the simple or the inexperienced person won't listen. You have the mocker that won't listen. And then you have the fool. Circle the word fool there. Uh, the fool. If the inexperienced refuses to think and the mocker refuses to yield, the fool refuses to listen. The fool just thinks their way is the better way. The fool is always the smartest one in the room, in their mind. They got it all figured out. They don't need anybody telling them what to do. They've got it all figured out. And when you say, whoa, whoa man, I don't think that's the right thing to do. I don't think that's the wise thing. Oh, it'll work out. Or I'm going to do this. Or I've already decided. And the fool will not listen. I mean, you can, you can pound it in their head. They are not going to listen to you. They're, that stove is hot. Well, I'm going to put my hand on it anyway. I mean, that is their mindset. It's the guy that goes to work and he gets warned and warned and warned by his boss and finally he gets fired and then when he leaves, he blames everybody else for how badly he was treated and because he would not listen. It is the girl at school that gets warned by her teacher over and over and over that she finally gets suspended and then she's mad at everybody because how mistreated she was because she would not listen. That is the fool. They don't listen when wise people are speaking into their life. And it causes just a lot of pain. In fact, Proverbs 1 verse 7 says, the fool despises wisdom. And so here are the three kinds of people, the, the simple person, the inexperienced, the mocker, and the fool. None of them will listen to wisdom. And so wisdom addresses them in this verse. And the, the question that wisdom asks is, how long are you going to do this? How long? How long are you going to keep pursuing this foolish behavior? How long are you going to keep going, well, I didn't think about it. How long are you going to keep rebelling against God? How long are you going to do that? Because the longer you go down this road, it's going to get worse and worse and worse for you. It's time to stop and to change course. So this is wisdom really calling out. In fact, it's almost as if what Solomon is doing here is he's drawing out this path of two different roads, right? There are two choices you can make in life. You can choose to go down wisdom road, to listen to godly wisdom, to see God through his word and obey God and go down this road, which will be blessing and goodness. Or you can choose a wayward road of your own way and that's going to lead to a lot of heartache and pain. And you got to choose. This idea of two roads is nothing new. Moses said the same thing when he said in Deuteronomy 30, I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Choose life. 
Jesus said the same thing in Matthew 7 when he said, enter at the narrow gate. For the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction and those who enter by it are many. But the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life and those who find it are few. See, there's always this choice and, and the, the joy in life, you know, the success in life is really built up on your consecutive or successive decisions. You know, your life is made up of the choices that you make. And so if you want a good life, a blessed life, then that's going down the road of wisdom. And if you want a hard life, a difficult life, a painful life, it's going down the wayward road. And so wisdom stands at the crossroads there and points down the right road. And she said, look, if you'll go down the wisdom road, let me show you what's ahead of you. Look at, look at verse 23. If you respond to my warning, then I will pour out my spirit on you and I will teach you my words. You're going like, man, if you go down wisdom road, how cool is that going to be, right? You go down wisdom road and there's going to be a lot of blessing. You go, I'm going to pour my spirit on you. I'm going to instruct you. I'm going to teach you. I'm going to go before you. In fact, here's a little homework assignment for you if you like a little homework assignment. Uh, Read Proverbs chapter 2, verses 1 through 11, and it describes all the benefits of going down the wisdom road. A little spoiler alert, some of it is success, integrity, help, protection, all this good stuff that God wants for your life if you go down his road, right? If you just go down that road, you'll know him, you'll follow him. The further you go, the wiser you will get, and the more you'll know God. 14 years ago, Liz and I moved back into this area from Oklahoma. And of course, when you move into a new area, you got to get a house, right? So we were looking for where the house was going to be. And it needed to be, you know, in a certain close to the church. It needed to be, you know, certain school districts and all that kind of thing. So we looked and we found a house that we thought met our needs perfectly. Uh, it had just the right number of bedrooms. It had a little office in it for me. It had all the things that we needed easy access to some things and we love that house we moved in the house when the girls were little and that was just our house I mean we raised our daughters in that house we took pictures on the first day of school on the porch every year on that house we had little girl parties birthday parties and we had teenage birthday parties in that house we sent off our kids to college from that house uh, we've had the house really full and we've had the house really empty we just it's been our house and we've loved it well, what's interesting about this house is that it's located on a street called Sophie Lane. Now, the Greek word Sophia, which Sophie comes from, means wisdom. So I've told them their whole life, look, I raised you literally on Wisdom Road, all right? Like, I literally raised you on Wisdom Road. You know, so stay with it. You know, I raised you there. Now, I've come to learn that it, it, when it comes to Wisdom Road, it's not really about the location of your house. It's more about the location and disposition of your heart, right? Is my heart to go down Wisdom Road? Do I want to do what God wants? And if you do, there's blessing. Not mean that there, there's not hardship and difficulties, but God is with you and God will bless you as you go down it. But if you choose to not go down Wisdom Road, then the other alternative, the wayward road, is a very hard road. And wisdom not only points us down the Wisdom Road, but he also, uh, wisdom also warns us about the wayward road. Look at it. Look at verse 24. Since I called out and you refused, 
extended my hand and no one paid attention since you neglected all my counsel and did not accept my correction. I in turn will laugh at your calamity. I will mock when terror strikes you. When terror strikes you like a storm and your calamity comes like a whirlwind, when trouble and stress overcome you, then they will call me, but I won't answer. They will search for me, but won't find me. Because they hated knowledge and didn't choose to fear the Lord, were not interested in my counsel, rejected all my correction, they will eat the fruit of their way and be gluttoned with their own schemes. For the apostasy of the inexperienced will kill them, and the complacency of fools will destroy them. Wow, that's a, that's a sobering warning, isn't it? I mean, he's like, listen, you simple, you just wouldn't listen. You're, you, you rebel all the time, and you wouldn't listen. You were so determined in your mind you were going to go a certain way and you knew everything and, and you wouldn't listen. And he said, finally, you keep going down this road, this wayward road, and then pretty soon uh, you're going to lose your way. You're going to cry out for help at some point when trouble comes on you and there's going to be no help found for you. In fact, look at what he says. He said, they will eat, verse 30, they will eat the fruit of their own way. They will eat the fruit of their own way. In other words, you'll finally get to a point when you've warned and warned and warned where they're going to have to suffer the consequences of their foolish choices. That's hard. I've seen it. I've seen it up close and personal. I've visited the jail. I've been in the rehab place when the person would not listen and finally had to suffer these hard consequences. Several years ago, I was told this true story. I've never forgotten it. It was of a young man that, he grew up in a godly home and, and had godly parents that taught him about wisdom and walking with God. But as he got to be a teenager, he just didn't want to listen to his parents anymore. He just wanted to do his own thing and go his own way. And, he was running around with the wrong crowd. They knew it. It was causing a lot of stress and turmoil in the family. They would try to warn him. They'd try to discipline him. Nothing seemed to work. He seemed hell-bent on just defying God. One night, he was going out with his friends, and his mother was begging with him, pleading with him to change and not to do this and how this is going to hurt him. And, and he would not listen. And finally, in desperation, she literally lay down on the floor in front of the door and said, if you're, if you're going to go out tonight, you're going to have to step over me uh, to go out into a night of sin. He said, well, fine. So he just stepped right over his mom, left. His buddies were waiting for him, and off they went. Later on that evening, it was late at night, and they were kind of strolling around the downtown area of the small town where he was in, and he noticed that there was a store window display where the light was on, and it caught his attention, and he walked over to see it, and sure enough, in that store window display, there was a, an open Bible, and he pressed in to look at it, and that Bible was open to this very passage. And he read these words. 
Since I called out and you refused, extended my hand and no one paid attention. Since you neglected all my counsel, I in turn will laugh at your calamity. I will mock when terror strikes you, when ter terror strikes like a storm and your calamity comes like a whirlwind. When trouble and stress overcome you, then they will call me and I won't answer. And it's almost as if right in that moment that God dealt with him. His mind flashed back to all the times that his mom begged him and he would just not listen to her or his father tried to discipline him and he would just reject and try to fight him off. How many times God had been speaking to him and he refused to listen. Even that very night, he literally stepped over his mother's body to go into a night with his friends. And he realized in that moment of clarity that if I keep going down this road, I may never get back. Listen, the Bible tells us that we love and serve and know a God of grace. 1 Peter 5 calls him the God of all grace. But there is a time when grace runs out. There is a time when grace stops. I don't know how it happens, I don't know when it happens, but I know it does happen. In Romans chapter 5, Romans chapter 1, there, there are four key verses, or key, key words that are mentioned. God gave them over. It says three different times, God gave them over, God gave them over. In other words, they, they were rejecting God, they didn't want God, they were going their own way, and finally God said, okay, if that's what you want, then you can have it. And here Solomon is warning us, don't go down that road. Don't go that, down that terrible, terrible road. Because it's going to cause a lot of grief and a lot of pain. That young man, when he was convicted by God, after reading that, he, he turned to his friends and said, hey guys, I got to go home. What's the matter? Never mind, I just, I just got to go. And he turned and started walking home and his walk turned into a full sprint. And he ran home and he ran around the corner and, and through the yard and up to the front door and he burst into the front door and he could literally hear his mother crying out to God out loud for him. And he was broken. He knelt down right next to his mom and he confessed his rebellious heart and how much he had hurt the family and he cried out to God and he asked God to forgive him and to change him and he gave his life to Christ in that moment. That young rebellious boy went on to become a pastor and an evangelist and shared his story and many people came to faith in Christ by his faithful preaching of the word. He married and raised up godly children and in fact his daughter married a man named Jerry and Jerry was one of the businessmen that discipled me as a young pastor and so really this young man's repentance has impacted my life and now it's impacted yours and so what wisdom is saying is look there are two roads the way of wisdom is a way of blessing but the way 
the wayward road is a painful road and, and you don't want to get lost down that road. And then there's this promise, this beautiful promise. After this stern warning, there's this beautiful promise in verse 33. Look at it. He says, but whoever listens to me will live. Whoever listens to me will live securely and will be undisturbed by the dread of danger. In other words, man, if you will just listen to me, wisdom says. You don't have to go down that road. You don't have to be that person. If you will just listen to me. Listen, if you, if you can hear the voice of wisdom today, then you've not gone too far. If your heart would be inclined to turn toward the Lord today, then you've not gone too far. Jesus said in Revelation 3.20, he said, Behold, I stand at the door and knock, and whoever listens to my voice and opens the door, I will come in. If you'll listen to me. If you'll listen to me and live. You hear the, the call of wisdom? Would you bow your heads with me for just a minute? Wisdom may be calling this morning for you. This is the voice of God saying, listen to me. Maybe you've played the fool for too long. He's like, how much long are you going to do this? You've played the mocker too long. How long are you going to do this? You've been simple-minded for too long. And it's time to turn away from that. It's time to turn to Christ. This is why Jesus came. Jesus came for this very reason, so that we could be forgiven and changed in our heart. I mean, that's the gospel, that in our waywardness, in our sinfulness, in our wickedness, in our waywardness, that God sent his only son, Christ, and he revealed the Father to us, and he went to a cross, and on the cross, he took all of your sinfulness and all your wickedness and your waywardness, and he nailed it to the cross when they nailed Jesus to the cross, and Jesus bore in his body what you owed. He suffered the wrath of God in your place. He was put in a tomb, and three days later, he came alive again and, and rose from the grave, and he showed himself very much alive he ascended to the right hand of the Father and he offers you in this season of grace a chance to be forgiven, to start over, to get off the wayward road and to get onto the wisdom road. But you gotta listen to his voice. You have to respond to him. And this is your opportunity right now. Right now. This is your moment. Wisdom is calling. Jesus is calling. The Father is calling for you to turn to Him. And I want to give you an opportunity right now to say yes to Christ. To say, uh, I don't want to go down that road anymore. I want to, I want to ask Christ to forgive me. I want Christ to lead me. I, want, I need forgiveness. I need to be restored. I want to give you that chance to say yes to Him. Right now you say, Craig, how do I do that? Well, in just a minute, I'm going to pray a simple prayer of faith. And I want to encourage you to pray that with me. The Bible says, he who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. I want to give you a chance to call out to him, to confess your sin, to place your trust in Christ. I want to give you a chance to do that right now with your heads bowed. If you're like, hey, that's what I need to do. I need Christ in my life. I need 
Jesus to forgive me and change me. I need to get off the road that I'm on. Then I want you to just simply, right where you are, just lift up your hand. Say, Pastor, pray for me. Just lift up your hand. And I'll pray for you. I'm not going to call you out, but I will pray for you. So right now, God's moving in your heart. Wisdom speaking to your heart right now. Don't harden your heart. Lift up your hand right now. Pastor, pray for me. I need Christ. I want forgiveness. I want to start over. Lift up your hand right now. Lift it up. Don't wait. God's moving in your heart. Don't harden your heart right now. Lift it up. Pastor, I need Christ in my life. All right. Anybody else? Okay. All right. Thank you. Anybody else? Tip your hand. Okay, you can put your hand down. If you raise your hand, just pray this simple prayer with me. Uh, Dear Lord, I know I've sinned against you. I know I've gone my own way. But I believe Jesus died for me. And I believe he rose for me. And I'm asking you now, please forgive me. Please come into my life. Please make me a new person. I've gone down the wrong road far too long. Today I choose to follow you with all my heart. Thank you for your grace in my life. Listen, maybe you're a believer today. You've given your life to Christ, but you, you need wisdom. You've got a heavy burden you're carrying. You've got troubles waiting you on Monday morning. You've got decisions that you're facing, and you need wisdom. Would you ask God right now to give you that wisdom? Just say, Lord, give me wisdom. Tune my ear to wisdom. Just ask him. Lord, we love you. We thank you for your mercy and your kindness to us, God. Thank you for your word that's so clear and relevant. Lord, I pray that we would walk in wisdom, your godly wisdom, Lord, that your Holy Spirit would fill us and lead us and direct us in the decisions we make and the things that we say and the things that we do, that it would bring you pleasure regardless of the circumstances. And Lord, I pray as we study this book this summer that, God, you would just peel back like layers of an onion, God, just deeper, deeper truth of who you are and what it means to walk in wisdom and to walk with you. Lord, we thank you for your kindness. Fill us now, God. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.